Hello everybody and welcome back to Straight Outta Cline with me, your host, of course, Dylan Turrell-Reeve. I can already tell this episode is not going to interest a lot of people because I understand football is a very mixed subject. Some people love it, some people hate it, some people love to hate it, some people hate to love it. I originally was going to do the Q&A as the bonus episode this week, but of course, once I put up that story about the Q&A... A lot of the questions were to do with football. Some of them weren't even questions. Some of them are just people taking the piss out of me. And I need to come on here and talk because I just feel like with everything that's happening at my beloved Manchester United at the moment, it's it has to be spoke about. And listen, I understand that a lot of the regular viewers here aren't football fans. I try to limit talking about football on here just because as much as I love it, you know, I do like to talk about other things um, more in terms of like what you know i had a football show before which didn't exactly go to plan might bring a football show back at some stage just to have it there you know as like a separate entity but uh we'll see we'll see what happens but obviously uh this is going out just a couple of days after manchester united's embarrassing defeat to brentford four goals to nil this is the week after the opening day defeat to brighton and this has just been the worst possible start to a season for Manchester United. And listen, sometimes teams have slow starts. That's just the way football goes. I remember under Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United would start some seasons. Not exactly in the best of form, but we'd always make it up uh, as the season went on. And you always had faith that no matter what the score was, no matter what the, um, you know, no matter what the... The feeling was around whatever team we had. You just always believed that Manchester United in any given situation under Sir Alex Ferguson were able to achieve special moments and go on to win trophies. This Manchester United team is the worst Manchester United team I've ever seen. And not only that, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say this is the most disconnected people have been from a Manchester United starting 11 bench like as just a Manchester United squad I've never been so disconnected to any Manchester United squad ever we went through a transitional period from the years 2003 to 2007 so we went 3 years in a row without winning the league we won it in 2003 didn't win it in 04 05 or 06 and I remember then a lot of people were thinking that was the end for Sir Alex and now I look back on that time with so much more fondness because when you actually delve into it, you can see what was brewing, what was developing, what the plans were going forward. We had a young Cristiano Ronaldo who was improving each season. Wayne Rooney, a star boy signing who ended up becoming the club's all-time top goal scorer. Even players like Vidic and Evra who had slow starts, they were starting to develop into great players. You could see everything brewing. I've never had so or such little hope as a Manchester United fan as I have right now. We've gone through so many managers since 2013, since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. We've seen a lot of players come and go. And I think we've finally gotten to the stage where we've realised you literally cannot blame anybody else except for the people upstairs who just don't give a shit. And that is the Glazer family. Let's get the obvious out of the way. We are shit at the moment. We don't have a great team. There are gaping holes in our squad. However, 
competent owners would look at that and say, okay, the team is not performing. There are certain players who just obviously aren't good enough at this level. Consistently, they're doing very poor. We need to replace these players, just sell them and bring in better players. For whatever reason, at Manchester United, that doesn't happen. We have Harry Maguire as a captain. Harry Maguire, one of the worst captains I have ever seen in Premier League history. Potentially the worst. I used to give Steven Gerrard a lot of stick for not winning a Premier League title. But Jesus Christ, I would, like, you know... I'm just trying to make I'm trying to make sense of everything in my head now. I have so much I want to say and I want to make sure that it all comes out right. I would look at someone like Steven Gerrard now and go, bloody hell. I'm nearly like I'm nearly jealous we don't have someone like that now. Who, despite never quite getting there in the league, was such an important figure for Liverpool, even in their dark times. Like and that's the one place where I'll always give Steven Gerrard credit. Even though I never liked him as a player. Nothing against him as a human being, never liked him as a player. Liverpool had some very poor teams that he was able to get the best out of. Look at that 2005 Liverpool team that won the Champions League. I was talking to a Liverpool fan about this recently. That team had no business being in the Champions League final, never mind winning it. But a big reason they got through that final and, that, and through that Champions League season was because of Steven Gerrard. Because they had an influential captain getting them through those big crunch games. We have a terrible team with a terrible leader. And I don't want to single out Harry Maguire, but how we spent £80 million on that man, made him captain, and the fact that he's been like he's been in such like horrific games. So let, let's let's count the games Harry Maguire has captained where we've been battered. 6-1 against Spurs back in 2020. 5-0 and 4-0 against Liverpool last season. 4-1 against Watford, where he also got sent off. 4-0 against Brighton. 4-0 against Brentford. I'll even count the 4-2 against Leicester, which admittedly, I remember he'd just come back from injury. He was rushed in a little bit, but it still counts towards another battering where Harry Maguire was captaining the team. Scott McTominay is by far the worst midfielder we've ever had. I remember a few weeks ago, or even last week I think it was, I tweeted out something after the Brighton game saying that McTominay is the worst midfielder we've ever had. And someone responded saying they'd put him above Darren Gibson. Here's why I wouldn't put him above Darren Gibson. Darren Gibson could shoot from distance. Darren Gibson scored in a Champions League quarter-final against Bayern Munich and, and in a Champions League semi-final against Schalke, where Manuel Neuer was in goal. Darren Gibson contributed to goals in the League Cup in 2008-09, which we went on to win. Even though he never played loads and loads of games in the Premier League, I think it was 12 games he played in the 10-11 uh, season, he actually contributed towards a Premier League title. He has contributed more to Manchester United than Scott McTominay ever has. He can't tackle, he can't pass, he can't defend... He's living off the fact that he scored a goal against Man City two years ago. Which, let's be honest, was just a poor mistake from Ederson, as great as that moment was. Yes, we have Cristiano Ronaldo in the starting eleven, and it's great to have Cristiano Ronaldo back. But there is only so much any striker can do, no matter how good they are, playing in this team. 
And it boils down to these owners. Look at all the players we've been linked to over the years. That went to other clubs for cheap prices and went on to do amazing. We were linked with half these players and we turned them away because they weren't marketable enough. I don't care how great the names of the signings are. When you look at last season's transfer window, Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane. Let's delve into that a little bit more. Jaden Sancho is a player who I absolutely adore and I actually think he's been one of our better players in the last year. However, Jaden Sancho was signed after a two-year race to get him. Because we couldn't get the deal over the line. Because we were trying to cheapskate our way out of it. Brought him in. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer barely played him for the first six months. Until he got sacked. And then Michael Carrick and Ralph Rangnick decided to play him. Raphael Varane. Four-time Champions League winner. World Cup winner. You know, 28 years old. You're thinking, this is a bargain of a signing. Because we got him for around 20, or around 30 odd million. Very injury prone. There's a reason Real Madrid let him go for so cheap. Because they couldn't rely on him anymore over his injuries. I love Rafael Varane. I still think he should be playing a lot more. But that is the bottom line about why we signed him. Simple as that. We were given a worse version of a great player. Very injury prone last season. Couldn't really have much of an impact because of that. And I remember someone said to me, oh, but it's still Varane. Well, what good is Varane if he's fucking injured? You tell, you explain that to me. You tell me why just because we have Varane, that, me, that means we should be playing a lot better when he's injured an awful lot. And Cristiano Ronaldo, my all-time favourite player alongside Ryan Giggs and Wayne Rooney. Absolute just elation when we signed him a brilliant moment just a day where i couldn't believe what was happening it was absolutely just it was surreal but let's be honest it was a panic buy we only got him because man city wanted him which would have been fine if we had competent donors that had made enough good signings that suited our system where we could afford a panic buy despite you know whether it was going to work or not but Cristiano Ronaldo was someone who's been very open lately about wanting to leave. A lot of the leaks have come out. We know he's not exactly thrilled with the current situation. And a lot of people turned on him because of that. Why in the name of God would someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, with all he's achieved in the game, at the latter end of his career, why would he want to stay? Why? What reason would any sane man in his position, with the talent he has and the ambition he has, why would he want to stay? Absolutely no reason. I don't blame him for wanting to leave. I hope he bloody stays. But I would not blame that man for paying his own transfer fee just to leave. That's how I feel about that. You know, it was funny. I mentioned uh, on TikTok earlier that I was watching the Nottingham Forest and West Ham game. And when you look at Nottingham Forest's starting 11 compared to maybe our starting 11, a lot of players on paper don't, you know, match up to ours. But it goes back to the old saying, and this goes for the same with Brighton and Brentford who've beaten us this season. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. This team is not a hard-working team. This team has gaping holes in it and players who should not still be at the club, all down to the fact that the owners do not care. I doubt Eric Ten Hag is looking at this team thinking, I can get... He's openly said it, we need more quality in this team. I don't think he's looking at this team thinking I can do better. I'm sure he did at the start because all managers have that, you know, in their ego. 
that they feel like they can do better than previous managers. But I'm looking back at Louis van Gaal. I'm looking back at David Moyes. I'm looking back at Jose Mourinho. I'm even looking back at Ralph Rangnick, despite the fact that he was an interim, even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and going, didn't get the players they wanted to get. And they're having to deal with this. There are certain players still at that club based off the fact that they bring in revenue for commercial reasons. The Glazers are shit businessmen. They are. It's as simple as that. People say, oh, but they, they run it as a business, not as a football club. Well, they run it as a very fucking bad business because they take dividends out of the club non-stop. If you want to run a good business, make the business successful. By doing that, you need to invest in the team. You need to listen to the managers you're employing to bring in the players they want to bring in. I understand the Frankie de Jong deal is being dragged out mainly because of his issues at Barcelona. But bloody hell, if we were competent businessmen, or if we had competent businessmen, who could negotiate deals properly, which is a big reason why we should have kept Ralph Rangnick, we would have got that deal done. I have no doubt about it. He would have been convinced that this is a project that's going to take maybe two or three years, but we're on the right track. We have the right man in charge. He has a system in place. We're backing him. We're getting the players he wants to get. Even if we don't get num the number one players he wants to get, we have good alternatives that can still fit the system, but we're not doing that. We are signing players based off of what they can bring to us for commercial reasons. I wouldn't be surprised if David De Gea left tomorrow. If David De Gea left and decided he wanted to go elsewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if the goalkeeper we chose to bring back would be Ben Foster. And here's why. I love Ben Foster. Former Manchester United goalkeeper. Very important player in the League Cup final in 2009 in the penalty shootout. But look at Ben Foster and the success of his YouTube channel. Then look at the fact that he's a former Manchester United player. For these reasons, I feel like that's who we go for. We wouldn't go for the next best keeper that would suit maybe a Ten Hag style of play. I would personally would kill for Robert Sanchez from Brighton. I've admired him for a very long time. Great distribution. We saw his shot stopping and how good that is last week. Like there are players out there that I think would really, really improve this team if we could back the manager. But this is the simple, hard cold truth of it is that no manager we bring in will get backed. I was speaking to an Arsenal fan at work who said that we should bring in Graham Potter. Graham Potter is a great manager, and I have no doubt he will get a big move someday to a quote-unquote bigger team than Brighton, with all due respect to Brighton, because they're a fantastic team and a fantastic football club. We've seen that twice in the last few months. But if Graham Potter came to Manchester United, it would be the same situation as Eric Ten Hag, as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, as Ralph Rangnick, as Jose Mourinho, as Louis van Gaal, as David Moyes. He wouldn't get the players he wants. Do you really think Eric Ten Hag came into this club and said, I want to sign Terl Malassia and I want to sign Frankie de Jong, but I'm going to leave that drag out for ages. I'm going to pick up Lissandro Martinez along the way. And then after a couple of games, I'll go for Arnautovic and I'll go for, uh, what's his name? I'll go for Rabio. You really think that's what Eric Ten Hag's plans were? No. We've heard Louis van Gaal say it. We've heard Jose Mourinho say it. We've heard even David Moyes say it. There were certain players those managers wanted that they just couldn't get. And they were told, no, no, go, go for this player instead. Even someone like Danny van de Beek. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't want him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, however you feel about him as a manager, he wanted Jack Grealish. Now, I still think Donny should be better utilised, 100%. But it's another case of managers not just not getting backed. I'm sure Van der Sar did a lot for that deal to go through. I'm sure he did. But it's just... 
it's just another example of the board not listening to the managers, going, no, get this one, because financially it makes more sense. It brings in a bit of revenue that way because it's, you know, Donny was a very popular player amongst fans at that stage. Even though, like, looking at that, Jack Grealish probably would have brought in a bit more revenue because he was a bit more of the the fanboy with the, with the, you know, the English media and stuff. But again, I digress. But it's just another example of the manager not being backed. I look at this team now. I look at this squad. I look at the the owners. I look at the decision makers. And I have absolutely no hope. I remember watching the Champions League final in 2009 and the one in 2011 where both times we lost to Barcelona. I remember watching those games with my granddad and both of us being absolutely gutted, but both of us saying, sure, we'll be back next year. Next year, we'll have another goal. That's the confidence we had then. Even though the Glazers were in charge at that stage, we had Sir Alex Ferguson and David Gill making the decisions. Two competent, you know, not just football managers and chief executives, but negotiators. They knew how to get around things. They knew how to negotiate deals. They were good businessmen. Above, you know, all else. But now, those two key figures obviously are gone. And there's just no faith. I'm there saying, oh, after losing two Champions League finals, we'll be back again next year. Or even if we, you know, came second in the league, like in 2010 and 2012. And both times I was like, we'll be back next year. I'm confident we'll win it next year. Now, I'm not even confident about getting into the top six after a shit season. You really think looking at that team we're going to finish any higher than 8th? Not a hope in hell. It's time for the Glazers to sell this club. There is no future under this ownership. They don't care. They have no connection to the club. They're making fans have no connection to the team. And overall, it seems to be losing the money. It's purely based off dividends that they're keeping it. Just sell the fucking club. It's not that hard. There are people out there who would kill to own Manchester United. And bring the glory days back. And actually back a manager. And actually have a plan in place to get to where we need to be. And listen, even if the ownership changes tomorrow, it's not all going to happen overnight. It's still going to take three, four, maybe five years. But there'll be a road there. The decision makers will change. They will change up the entire system. I mean, the training facilities are behind the times. The stadium is behind the times. Like These things need to be looked at as well. Old Trafford needs millions of pounds spent on it. The training ground, from what I hear, is miles behind Man City and even someone like Arsenal. That needs to be upgraded. And it's not about moving stadium or moving changing grounds, or changing or, uh, training grounds, I should say. It's just about improving what's already there. They can do it. They just choose not to. I think we're all fed up at this stage. Absolutely everybody. Whether you're a local fan in Manchester. Whether you're an Irish fan like myself. Whether you're a fan in China. Who stays up till all hours in the morning to watch your team play. We're all just fed up. And I'm just going to say that as well. Each and every one of Manchester United fans is as, is as important as the other. No matter where you're from. Whether you're a match-going fan, a fan who dedicates all your time to supporting the club, you know, away from Manchester. As I said, staying up till all hours to watch the team. Let's not get into this, local fans are more important than 
you know, foreign fans, for lack of a better term, or just non-Manchester fans. But, obviously, for match-going fans, there is this planned empty Old Trafford uh, movement for next week's game against Liverpool, which, good God almighty, God only knows what the score is going to be in that game. I would really encourage fans who normally go to the game, to the games, I should say, to not go to this game. There needs to be a real message sent. We can't put up with this anymore. This club simply can't take it anymore. It's just not good enough. I needed to get this off my chest. There's only so much I can say over on TikTok within 10 minutes. You know, I've gotten a bit of extra time here, which has definitely helped me. And as I said, I try not to talk about football an awful lot in here, but this week I just felt like I really needed to get this off my chest. I think the fact that we're two games into the season and I'm already writing it off, that says it all. I'm not angry at the manager. I'm not angry at certain players. But... I'm just, like, I mean, we were we were 4-0 down yesterday and I was beyond getting angry because I'm just so used to it at this stage. We're just used to it and this can't continue. You look at the Busby Babes and the first ever European Cup winning team and the story of how 10 years later a lot of the players who were in the Munich Air Disaster managed to become the first English team to win the European Cup. You look at the grit and determination we had in 1993 to win that first league title in 26 years. You look at the treble winning team of 99 and the amount of games we won in the last minute, including the Champions League final. You look at the 2008 team and despite all the talent we had, like, you know, Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez, Rio and Vidic at the back, the never-say-die attitude of these teams. We could be 3-0 down at half-time and you'd still believe that we could, pull, uh, we could turn it around and get a result. And not just a draw, but a win. You even look at Sir Alex Ferguson's last title-winning team, his last ever team, which was an ageing squad with a lot of players who didn't go on to have amazing careers, but they just had that system in place that it didn't matter. Again, the never-say-die attitude, because it was being run properly. Now, it's, a sh- it's barely a shadow of what it used to be. It's an absolute, just, abortion of, of what Manchester United was. And it can't continue anymore. Us as Manchester United fans, we're not expecting it all to turn around just like that. I'm seeing some stupid comments online saying, oh, but look at the money they've put in with some of the players you've signed. If you think just because they've spent money on certain players that that means they're investing in the club, you're absolutely just delusional because they're not spending it in the right areas. They're spending it where it suits them for commercial revenue, not to improve the team. So if you really believe they're spending it to better the team, you're an absolute idiot. No matter who you support. That's my say on it. I'm glad I got it off my chest. And let's just hope we get our club back soon. Because this. This is just not good enough. It really isn't. I'm Dylan Turlreeve. This is Straight Outta Klein. This is probably the one and only football episode of the main series that I will ever do. Because I understand like this is not a football podcast. There's obviously other things we talk about on here. But. At the moment, this is just this is just a lot of frustration I need to live to leave out. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you are a football fan, and the normal content will resume this Friday with that Q and A. Originally, it was supposed to be today, but I had to. I just had to get this out of, uh, off my chest, and I had to get this out there and you know up and ready. And yeah, that's that's it for me for now, at least <laughs> when it comes to football. And I will see you all this Friday for the Q and A. 
And as low as I am feeling right now as a Manchester United fan, as the old chant says, we'll never die. We'll keep the red flag flying high. Manchester United will never die. But the Glazers need to let go of this club.